What is up, everybody? Welcome to the NXT TakeOver War Games recap. My name is Brandon Tanguma, and of course, as the title would suggest, I'm going to be going over NXT TakeOver War Games 2019, the third of its kind, the third ever War Games TakeOver. And I would say this might be the second best takeover war games ever i mean the war games matches themselves were fantastic i think the secondary matches only four matches on the show which made it fantastic especially since we got survivor series coming tomorrow it's probably going to be a lengthy show so it being around two and a half hours i believe that uh that made it great the other matches, the Finn Balor Matt Riddle match and the Triple Threat match, were good in their own right. But I think the other matches, especially the match last year, I know I was a little biased, but the show last year in LA, I thought they had some fantastic matches top to bottom. NXT TakeOver War Games last year, quite honestly, might have been the best TakeOver ever. But when we're talking about War Games, obviously, we're splitting hairs here for the most part. Every single show, especially in this modern era, these last, you know, three, four years, ever since they've kind of gone outside of Full sale, all of the TakeOver shows have been phenomenal, and this was no different. Definite thumbs up before we go into the reviews and the results and everything. Definitely recommend you guys go and check this out. So on the pre-show, I was kind of watching the pre-show a little bit, but... I was trying to upload my podcast that I do with my co-host Dominic Hompson, Curveballs and Chair Shots. If you want to, you can go check it out. Uh, I don't know if I recommend you guys listening to this latest episode. Honestly, I was having some technical difficulties. The audio quality is not that good. So if you want, give us a subscribe. You can listen. You don't have to because it's not up to my standards. So hopefully if you're listening to this, this means that everything was good on the exporting part trying to record this show but on the pre-show we got Isaiah Swerve Scott taking on Angel Garza on the pre-show no number one contender stipulation nothing just a good old-fashioned pre-show match and in the end Garza wins in seven minutes and 35 seconds I've been saying on my under the radar show if you would like to check it out it's also on this bullet cast timeline or whatever rss feed subscription you know you know what i'm talking about but anyways i am a fan of isaiah scott i've been a fan of his since he's been on the indie scene i think he is a damn good wrestler he has really proven himself on the indie scene and he has gone over in nxt so i think that he maybe not deserves to win this match but i was hoping that maybe this was a spot for him in a takeover pre-show to get you know, get himself over. I think the crowd was receptive to both guys. I think Angel Garza is also getting over, despite him being a heel. He's a pretty boy. He's a good wrestler. It's almost really kind of hard to boo him. So he's going to have to maybe work a little bit extra. I was watching the Cultaholic uh, review of the show, and Jack the Jobber was saying that maybe he reminds him of uh, Eddie Guerrero. Which I could see a little bit. I don't think Garza is as talented as a wrestler or even a character. But I do see some hints of Eddie in Angel. Which is definitely high praise. Uh, as I said, I think Scott probably could have got the win here. Especially since Garza is coming off of that loss from uh, what's, your, what's the current NXT Cruiserweight Champion. That being Leo Rush. 
but he is a heel, so maybe he can go back to that match. Scott, I think he will be fine. Yes, he's been losing recently, but I think they're going to build him up, and he's going to be... I think, you know, by WrestleMania time, I think he will be in that conversation in the North American title picture. And then, after the match, we get uh, some high packages, you know, the usual stuff, but the big thing coming out was that Mia Yim was being carted off into an ambulance, and Dakota Kai was checking on her, and Rhea Ripley yanked her from the ambulance to let her know that she will be replacing Mia Yim in the War Games match. Obviously, we don't know who attacked uh, Mia Yim, what happened to Mia Yim. I had my speculations on exactly what happened, but we can get into that in a little bit, because the first show, or the first match of the show, rather, was the women's takeover match and I thought personally that this could have been the main event just because I thought it was the most well-built match out of all of them not saying you know sometimes WWE has a thing of kind of pandering with the whole women's evolution thing you know trying to do these first evers and I thought the women in this definitely earned their spot here I thought they could have been main eventing this takeover I think they earned it but Given the circumstances and given the story that they were telling in both War Games matches, I think we kind of knew that one was going to start the show and one was going to end the show. And with the story that they told in this match, I think it was understandable for them to be in the first match, especially since, spoiler alert, both babyface teams won War Games. I think the men's War Games won was a much, I don't know if I would say it was a you know more uplifting victory. But I think, you know, it kind of was a more climatic victory. You know, it had the big spot. And with the, I mean, obviously with that big spot, the women didn't and probably weren't going to top the big spot that ended the show. So it made sense for why the men's match, in hindsight, main evented the show. But I thought the women deserved to be in the main event. And they proved it, I thought, in this match. It was a damn good match. I thought both of these takeover ma- or the both of these war games matches, you could argue that these were the two best war games matches in history. I know there's only four to speak of, but I thought these two were fantastic. I think something that really helped, especially in the women's one, is that they had a good storyline going into it. So to start off the war games, we had Io Shirai for Team Baszler. So if you don't know, we have Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, and Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai taking on Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray. So Io and Candice start the match off. They wrestled on TakeOver uh, during SummerSlam, whenever that was, TakeOver Toronto. Fantastic match. Maybe my favorite match of that show. But they uh, they work, and Io really was putting the boots to Candice for a majority of the match. So then we get Bianca Belair being the second entrance. So then we get the typical War Games, you know, uh, heel advantage, two-on-one, beating down on Candice. And Candice is a great face to be the recipient of just the beatdowns and having the numbers played against her. She's a great seller, you know, great undersized baby face. So then we go on and on, and then Rhea Ripley charges the ring. She is the second entrant for her team. She grabbed a trash can, tossed it in, and then slammed the door on Bianca Belair's head. She grabs another trash can, grabs a kendo stick, grabs some chairs. You know, we get all the fun, got all the uh, all the toys in there that Michael Cole and JBL would say, even though they're not toys, they're weapons of mass destruction. But 
Anyways, you know, we get some hardcore spots. We get Rhea just absolutely going in and just messing some stuff up. And then we get Kaylee Ray next to enter. So then Shayna is the last for her team. She grabs two more chairs. The crowd was chanting for tables when Rhea was trying to grab some plunder. But she didn't get any tables. She kind of like, you know, was looking at the crowd kind of saying like, sorry, I didn't get any tables. But then Kylie Ray goes in there. She grabs some, some chairs and stuff. She goes to pull out the table, but then she pushes it back in just like a dastardly heel would do. Then we get Dakota Kai being the next woman up. She started out of the cage. Then she turns around, dropkick Tegan Knox into the cage in the face. A holy shit chant erupts. Kai went to the outside of the cage bars, yanked on Tegan. Onto them, Kai opens the door, dropped Tegan's legs into it, slammed the door on her. She yanked the knee, putting a knee bar on her, just absolutely going after Tegan's knees. You know, Tegan having double, or not double knee surgeries, but having a, a knee surgeries in back-to-back -back years. Dakota Kai had a knee surgery a few uh, months ago, you know, last year whatever the exact timetable was, but, you know, the story going into it was that Dakota Kai was seemingly the fourth person to be in the match, but she didn't get the job done against Shayna Baszler. Mia Yim comes out, she saves the team, and then Mia Yim gets Dakota Kai's spot, and then Dakota Kai kind of plain, not like super heelish, you know, down in the dumps, but you can see like she, the wheels were turning in her head, and then fast forward to the ladder match that happened last week, Mia Yim and Io Shirai had a match, Dakota Kai was backing up uh, Mia, so you would think that, oh, Dakota Kai, she's, she's a good person, she's fine, and then fast forward to this week, or to today, we get the heel turn of Dakota Kai, fantastic, I saw it coming, but it made sense, and I'm excited to see what the Dakota Kai heel character has to offer. Her babyface character, I wouldn't say it was getting stale, but, I mean, when you have her, Tegan Knox, Candice, you kind of have a lot of those, you know, not, you know, those, like, happy-go-lucky babyfaces, and I think Candice is the best out of all three, and then maybe even Tegan might be the better wrestler than Dakota, so maybe Dakota is, like, kind of the story is, the odd one out, so then she turns heel, and I think the obvious match going forward is Dakota Kai against Tegan Knox. Maybe Dakota gets the better of Tegan with, you know, maybe Tegan selling her knee injuries, and then the way the match finished out, possibly we get a new women's champion, and that new women's champion faces Dakota Kai for the championship. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just booking the territory, you know, driving down the road. But anyways, we got, uh, after Dakota Kai, you know, bashes Tegan, she just ends up leaving. We get, or, well, she, she leaves after William Regal tells her to bug her off. Then Dakota Kai comes back out. She actually hits William Regal, and Regal, you know, had a mean face on. I thought he was going to lay the smackdown on her, but he didn't. And he, uh, along with some referees, are able to get Dakota Kai out of there. So then... We get uh, Shayna Baszler just cockily, cock, that's, that's a, I don't even think that's a word, cock, she walks out of the cage being cocky as all hell, there we go, and she's, you know, counting in her, counting on her hands, the numbers, and we get a four on two heel advantage. Dakota, or Tegan Knox, nowhere to be seen, she's off and she gets carted off, and Seemingly, there's no, you know, no one's going to come out. Mia Yim, she's in an ambulance. Tegan Knox is uh, battered. Her legs are all 
messed up. She can't walk. So, for the most part, we get a two-on-four match as the official match begins. So, as most of the women are selling on the mat, we get Io was lurking above, sure to figure something out, and then Candice LeRae is holding on to Bianca's hair. She starts hitting her. Shirai hits a moonsault on the top of the cage through Bianca Belair and Candice LeRae. You know, it didn't hit them super flush. It is kind of hard to expect a high moonsault to really, you know, the wrestlers to catch them because it's probably going to hurt the wrestler catching them. But anyways, we get uh, Shayna, uh, get, we get a double corner submission spot where we get Rhea Ripley having her, I don't even know what the hell it's called, but she has her submission, I believe, on EO. And then Shayna Baszler has the Kirifuda clutch on uh, Candice, and they're kind of going back and forth, and Candice is there able to scurry out. We get some good, you know, decent near falls back and forth. The War Games uh, template is kind of hard to get believable near falls because there's just so many, you know, so much commotion going on that it's kind of hard to, you know, really get that near fall where you think someone's not going to break it up because there's just so many bodies going on throughout. But when, you know, the definitive near fall happens, you kind of know it's coming. And that's definitely is what happened here. We get a setup of chairs. And we get two or three chairs on each side stacked, you know, face-to-face with each other, making a nice little chair table. So then uh, we get the Karafuda clutch put on Rhea. Rhea is able to fight out. She handcuffed Shayna to her, and then they go back and forth a little bit. Shayna tried to escape, but Rhea puts the Riptide on Shayna, puts her through the chairs for the victory, emphatic victory for Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae, I would say, you know, these two are the clear-cut top two baby faces in NXT, but obviously Rhea Ripley just on another level, put over super strong, not only just winning two on four, but she just destroyed Shayna Baszler and pinned her clean as a whistle in the middle of the ring. You know, definitely putting over Rhea Ripley strong here. And with her being put over so strong here, now it's kind of interesting to see where we go with Survivor Series. I think I feel a little more confident in my Shayna Baszler pick because I would think if you're going to just beat Shayna that definitively on War Games, you want her to have a nice bounce back appearance. And I would think she would win. If anything, I don't think she's going to be in the finish. Maybe it's Becky pinning Bailey or Bailey pinning Becky. I don't think you're going to pin uh, Shayna two days in a row when she barely loses at all. And then Rhea going to the women's tag team match. I can see her being an absolute force of nature on the tag team side. And maybe the women's tag team match for Survivor Series NXT wins as well. Going, Also sticking with the Survivor Series tag team, we are going to have Mia Yim being replaced with Bianca Belair. So someone who was on the heel side, even though she was kind of a babyface and heel, we don't exactly know what she is. She's almost kind of like the Charlotte Flair of NXT. She's not a heel, she's not a babyface, she's just Bianca Belair. So we're going to have to stay tuned and find out about that. But in the end, Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae win in 27 minutes and 25 seconds. Not a terribly long War Games match, but with the format, you're going to have to have, you know, it's going to be over 20 minutes for the most part. I thought it was really good, and the story that they told was absolutely fantastic. It was, you know, not the most athletic, you know, high spot as the men's match was in the main event, but just as I said, the story that they told leading up to it and in the match 
definitely paid off well, and I'm excited to see what they do with Rhea Ripley. And as I kind of speculated, I think Rhea's going to get the title, and I think a Dakota Kai or Rhea Ripley match down the line could be a lot of fun. Then we get some uh, backstage hype. We get Imperium shown at ringside. They didn't do anything, just kind of showing up, saying, not saying hi, but just, you know, checking out, watching the sport they love. And then we get the second match of the show. We get the triple threat match to determine the number one contender who will take on Adam Cole at Survivor Series. Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, and Killian Dane. And in the end, we get Pete Dunne winning in about 20 minutes. You know I'm not a big fan of triple threat matches, but I, I like the way that they set up this match. It wasn't, there was spots where, you know, two of the guys are wrestling while the other guy is kind of taking a nap at ringside, but... For the most part, they did incorporate some nice three-way spots where it was almost kind of like a handicap match throughout where one guy is kind of facing off both guys and they're doing like innovative offense. I thought it was, you know, really good innovative offense here. And Pete Dunne, as I speculated and hoping for Survivor Series, that you get Pete Dunne taking on Adam Cole, having just an absolutely fantastic show-stealing type match at Survivor Series. Hopefully it's given the time. It's Survivor Series. It's the WWE Network. They're going to want the show to go on as long as possible. So I assume they're not going to get cut for time at all. Hopefully. But in the end, Pete Dunne uh, had a... Let's see if I can... I'll read the last paragraph for you guys. It's story time. Uh, Pete Dunne uh, was on the floor after a crucifix, or not a crucifix, but a razor's edge that he was thrown on the Spanish announce table. Priest slapped or whatever. Uh, Done. Reached for Priest and he grabs his fingers and then he does that to then Dane hit a big drop kick to clear Priest from the ring. Dane went up to Dunn and then popped up with an enziguri. Dunn couldn't capitalize and Dane pulled him from the top turnbuckle. Priest also went up and then Priest grabbed uh, the throats of both of them, but Dunn slapped his fingers or snapped his fingers and tossed him onto the floor on the outside. A superplex from Dane, a bitter end on Priest, broken up by Dane's senton. Dunn hit a sleeper on Dane, who was broken up by holding, and he hit a senton onto Priest. As Dane rolled through the move, and he got out of the ring, Dunn simply covered Priest for the victory. So there you go. Protecting uh, Killian in the finish. Dunn pinning Priest, which I think was the logical move here. I think you're going to want... Uh, Dane kind of being that monster heel going forward. I don't know if they have super big plans for them. I think in the end, Priest is going to end up being on a higher level than Dane, but I think for the most, for right now, I think they have. So maybe not big plans, but I think they're going to want to protect him right now, especially since he has been damaged on the main roster. Pete Dunne winning. It was a smart choice. I think he's going to lose regardless, but I'm excited to see the match that they have on a Survivor Series tomorrow. Then, we get the match that I was looking forward to a lot. We get Matt Riddle taking on Finn Balor, and Finn wins in 14 minutes and 23 seconds. I thought this was a really good match. I would say that it was, I don't know if I'd say it was a disappointing match, but I don't think it was at the, you know, super upper echelon of what we could expect from these guys, but 
It's the first match. It's the first heel match we've seen from Finn Balor in WWE. So this is kind of establishing his character. He's, you know, trying to get over his moves. Matt Riddle did his thing as well. I thought it was good for both these guys. They really got their moves in. They were able to tell a good story. Fantastic. I would say this match was maybe better than the triple threats, but I don't know. It can go either way. For me, I thought, you know, these two matches are kind of interchangeable, and I think the War Games matches were kind of clear-cut one and two. You can pick whichever one you want. The men's War Games match was much more stunt-oriented, and, you know, it had the big spots that you remember. But then on the women's side, it had... They had big spots as well, but I think it was definitely more storyline-driven. And in the end, as I said, Finn Balor, you know, hits uh, his inverted... You know, hits a Bloody Sunday, hits a... Brainbuster, not able to get the victory, but then he's able to, uh, well, he gets the 1916 DDT for the win, so that's his finisher. He had an inverted Bloody Sunday, and then he hits the regular Bloody Sunday for the win. Really good. Finn Balor getting the win here. I know I picked Matt Riddle, but I could have gone either way. Could probably makes sense for Finn to win. First match back, especially since he lost to The Fiend pretty decisively at SummerSlam. We don't want him to lose two big matches back-to-back. I can see them going to this match again. I think they're going to want to hold off and see exactly what's going on with Johnny Gargano. It was announced on the show that the next TakeOver, I believe it's the next TakeOver, is not going to be during Royal Rumble weekend, but it will be February 12th. In Portland, Oregon. That will be very interesting to see the build, see the uh, crowd size, and just, you know, everything. Especially if nothing is going to happen on the NXT side for the Royal Rumble. Maybe that is kind of setting up that they're going to have, you know, kind of mini takeover shows or, you know, big matches on takeovers. So they don't really, or sorry, big matches on the USA show, so they don't exactly need to have a takeover on Royal Rumble, because they're going to have a lot of big matches in the next two months. Uh, That being said, moving on to the main event, we'll first shout out to Denzel Curry. He was shown at ringside. Really good artist, if you haven't seen any of his stuff. He's he's mostly a rapper, but he also kind of dabbles in some other genres as well. He has an absolutely fantastic cover of Bulls on Parade on YouTube and on iTunes. Check it out if you have a chance. So then we get the main event, the men's war games. We get the Undisputed Era, which consists of the NXT Tag Team Champions, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, the NXT North American Champion, Roderick Strong, the NXT Champion, Adam Cole, baby, taking on Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and a mystery opponent. Matt Riddle was originally supposed to be in this match, but because of what happened with Johnny Gargano, had to do some shuffling around, so he's in the match with uh, Finn Balor, and now we don't know who's going to be. But they did cut Tommaso Ciampa, or I guess, I don't know if he said it, but the announcer said that Tommaso Ciampa said that he did have a partner that he picked. He had a fourth man. We just don't know who it is. He wasn't there. But we will get to that in a little bit. So we get the entrances and Ciampa 
being the captain that he is, storms to the ring, being the first person. He has his camouflage stuff going. He has his crutch draped in camouflage. He goes to the ring. Roderick Strong goes to the ring. Uh, Ciampa placed his crutch by the ropes, offering it to Roddy. If Roddy wanted it, but Roddy, he grabbed it. And he said, uh, he doesn't need it. You think I need that to beat you? Eh, eh as old Stone Cold would say. So they go at it for a little bit, and then Kyle O'Reilly joins the fray. Ciampa was able to fight off uh, them for a little bit, but then, as you would expect, the heels got the upper hand. Then we get Dominic Dijakovic with the, uh, the running into the mix. Big guy, going to get his spots in, going to you know have a big old monster beat down everybody, then we get Bobby Fish, then Keith Lee, and in the end, well, I guess not in the end, but we get Adam Cole. And with the heels advantage, well, the men's, whatever, the Adam Cole was supposed to be the last person, we would think, because there was nobody else, even though they had the men's advantage, so somebody else, the babyface, had somebody. They, it was not exactly clear on, like, what the time frame was because they didn't have, like, the, the, so what happened is Adam Cole comes down, they, you know, they're beating down the, they're beating down the baby faces, you know, we're having a good match back and forth. Technically, the match hasn't officially started yet because there wasn't all eight men in the ring, so that is also what kind of makes it a little funky because the timing kind of seemed off to where the final man didn't come out exactly when it was supposed to, not saying it was a botch or anything, but just... With War Games, the match doesn't officially start until all the participants are in the ring. So, how long do the referees have to wait until the guy comes out, or if there's like a certain spot to where if he doesn't come out, then the match officially starts. But anyways, that's just all semantics. In the end, we get uh, they show the countdown clock, it hits zero, nothing happens. Rightfully so, the Undisputed Era being the cocky bastard heels that they are. They're laughing, they're being all cocky, they're like, oh, there's nobody there, we're fine, we got this, we're going to beat them. But, that is not the case. We get Kevin Owens. Yes, KO, after the spiel that Triple H gave to old KO, he is back in NXT, and he was rocking the old OG KO merch. He was wearing the Kevin Owens kind of in the fake duct tape black t-shirt look. He comes down to the ring. Crowd goes absolutely insane, as they should. Fantastic moment. It was kind of an obvious pick, but... It made sense, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do for Survivor Series. But who cares? In the moment, it was great. We get uh, KO coming down to the ring. He's uh, enters uh, Papa power bomb to Fish. He pummels a gut buster onto O'Reilly. Power bomb to Fish on top of O'Reilly, and then Owens then turns his attention. Uh, Owens turns his attention to Owens. Not a uh, good right up here on this on the thing that I'm looking. But then we, anyways, we get a welcome back chant. Cole did his U, uh, UE symbol to KO, maybe trying to recruit his former Mount Rushmore brethren, but eh, eh, he told him to suck it. And then he gives Cole a stunner for a good measure. Uh, uh, but then cover broke up. Oh, the cover was then broken up by Bobby Fish, and then Dominic Dijakovic uh, had Roddy on one ring, and then he tossed him through the ropes on the other side of the ring. Uh, Owens fired up the crowd by rattling the cage. Chompa hits a draping DDT on O'Reilly. There's just so much stuff going on here. 
Uh, we get some tables are involved. The faces set up two in one ring and then one in another. The wrestlers carefully walked around them as they fought. Uh, we get Keith Lee went to the top and hit a cross body on three guys. And then we come to the top and he hits a knee, Kyle, and hits a submission on Dominic Dijakovic, hitting a senton from the outside to the ring, moving the blah, 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 blah. Uh, so there's just, you know, big spot, big spot, you know, just athletic stuff going back and forth. We get Adam Cole hitting a Panama Sunrise on Kevin Owens on the steel slab in between the two rings. It was kind of weird. He he jumps on him. He doesn't get the full rotation, but they're kind of fighting, and then they go back and forth. But then in, in the end, Adam Cole is able to get the full rotation, and he hits the Panama Sunrise. Sounded nasty. I don't know who took the brunt of it. I assume it was Adam Cole. And then ain't the last big bump Adam Cole was going to take. We get uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Cole fighting in the corner. We get them uh, fighting in the corner. They go up to the top of the cage. Ciampa hit a air raid crash from the top of the cage. Not from the top of the tournament, but from the top of the cage through the pile of tables that were at the uh, at the bottom, at the ring. We get... Uh, Tables just absolutely just breaking. We get a Britt Baker sighting during NXT. She had a look of legit concern for her baby Adam Cole. Morrow actually identified her and said her by name. So there you go. No heat. They don't they don't care. But Triple H I think did say that maybe it was an accident and they didn't you know, I don't think there was don't read anything into it, you know. It's her boyfriend. Who cares? She, or she She's her boyfriend. He, I don't know. He's her boyfriend. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. But uh, in the end, Tommaso Ciampa pins Adam Cole in the middle of the ring. Team Ciampa wins in 38 minutes and 30 seconds. So once again, we get the number one contender pinning the champion for the victory. Obviously setting up Tommaso Ciampa to face Adam Cole further on down the line, but Adam Cole has some issues that he has to deal with at Survivor Series with Pete Dunne. I'm hoping, I am hoping that they sell the hell out of this match, especially at Survivor Series. I mean, this match was absolutely brutal. It wasn't, I don't know if I'd say it was super dangerous, like maybe some of the other NXT hardcore matches we've seen. Definitely not as dangerous as the Moxley Omega match from a few weeks ago, but this match, you know, there was big spots, there was big dives off the cage, off the ropes, and everything you could think of, they were doing it. Great match, as I said. Vastly different than what the woman did than what the women did, which what made this match so good. You know, you have two cage matches, and sometimes, you know, one can take one from the other, like the Hell in a Cell matches where there's multiple Hell in a Cell matches, you know, the ladder matches, Lethal Lockdown, all this other stuff. But I thought this was a good blend of two different styles, two different matches that kind of worked together, especially since they bookended the shows. Uh, the women's match was far enough away from the men's match that you kind of not forgot about it, but by the time the men's match come around, you didn't feel burnt out. And I thought the two matches in the middle definitely did their jobs. They were good matches didn't burn out the crowd. They weren't supposed to burn out the crowd. And going back to, you know, previous war game matches, there was, you know, big matches like Alistair Black and Johnny Gargano. That was fantastic. Tommaso Ciampa, Velveteen Dream, that was fantastic. But 
you know, those are different type matches, and maybe they burnt the crowd a little bit, but when you have only four or five matches on a card, and they're like two and a half hours, maybe three hours, the crowd isn't going to be dead once the main event comes around, like when you see in WWE matches, or, you know, especially like WrestleMania. I mean, seven hours in, however long that show was. Way too goddamn long. But anyways, you know, main event comes around, and people don't really care, even though they should care, and they did care eight hours ago, but by that time, it's raining, it's cold, and they just want to get the hell out of there. But as I digress from my diatribe, great show, start to finish. I didn't give star ratings, but if I'll quickly go through the star ratings, you know, if we're going to go women's, I didn't watch the pre-show match, so can't give a rating there, but women's war games match, I will give it four and a quarter stars. I thought it was great. The, uh, Triple threat match, eh, three and a half, three and a, three and three quarters, really good. Matt Riddle, Finn Balor, three and a half. I think it, I think this was probably the weakest match of the show, but a three and a half star match on a four match show. Can't complain there. And then the men's main event, I will give it since I gave the women's match four and a quarter. I'll give you know what? I'll give both of the War Games matches. Four and a half stars. So thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, very much enjoyed NXT. Give us your thoughts. Slide into the DMs. Ask us or tell us what you thought on the Bulletcast on the Twitter, Instagram. Philip and I will be doing a recap of Survivor Series. Uh, I assume tonight, because by the time you're listening to this, I'm doing this at eleven o'clock at night. So by the time you listen to this. It's either Sunday, maybe even Monday. You're listening to this on your on your way to work or whatever. So uh, definitely check that out there. I don't have the official results in front of me, but I think Philip and I both tied. We both pick Undisputed Era. We both pick Pete Dunne. I picked the women to win the I win. I picked Team Ripley to win the War Games match. He picked Finn Balor to win that match. So in the end, we tied, but it's okay. Hopefully I can walk away with the strap at Survivor Series. Thank you all very much. Make sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Curveballs and Chair Shots. Listen to Under the Radar, where I talk about the, I guess, two weeks ago NXT show. I'm going to talk about the uh, lead-up show to this. going to go over pretty quickly since it is kind of mute, mute at this point, since they're building up to TakeOver and Survivor Series and all these things have kind of happened. But... There should be some news and notes for going on between this day and Tuesday. So thank y'all very much. And until next time, goodbye and good night. Uh, bye bye. <laughs>